Welcome to the Cabin Culture Podcast, where we spend a little bit more time diving deeper into all the fun parts of cabin culture. We like to think of this as both the material and imagined expressions of how cabin lovers, dwellers, builders, and designers wish to live a more simple and authentic life. On this episode, we chat with Danny and Duff from Off Grid Inn. Over the last six years, they've designed and built two cabins that have caught the attention of millions on TikTok and even Dwell Magazine. Today, they take us through all that went into designing and building Unit 1 and 2, their connection with a professional wrestler, and their future plans for a project called Coyote. Thanks for joining us, and we're so happy to have you along for the ride. All right. Well, excited to have you all here today. Um, it is a full house. There are five of us, the three of us, Justin, Sean, and myself. And then today we have Duff and Danny from the Off Grid Inn. Um, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having Thanks for having us. Why don't you all start by just telling us a little bit about who you are as humans outside of the badass cabins that you've built in Wisconsin, but just how you all met, how you all uh, kind of came to the place where you were building your own cabin. Start with how you met. Well, we both went to the University of Minnesota and we lived like one floor apart from each other freshman year and just started hanging out more and more. And then we started living together the year after that and they were just kind of like common interests that we had and Danny was always in architecture and we'll be talking about it a lot and you know my interest grew from you know him talking about it and I was there going to school for business so I have a finance degree and then you know Danny got his design and architecture degree so you know post-college it was just something where we wanted to start a business we felt like we had you know ideas that we thought would make sense and you know make money and just like the talents that we have you know lined up together and it seemed like a an idea that would be able to be rented for cheap i guess i have to admit that it is a bit refreshing duff to know that you're a finance major because for those who can't see you you're wearing like a blue hoodie and a dewalt hat and i would never have had you walking DeWalt, down yeah. the street <laughs> as a finance major but i love this yeah cosplaying as a designer you know <laughs> oh, that one with that one guy's ponzi scheme I am from Mankato, Minnesota, originally, and went to architecture school and met all these guys. And I kind of went along school and would get internships and stuff and realized that I just felt a lot more entrepreneurial than, um, like, someone who would want to be taking on clients. So I've always had a vision for doing stuff myself, I feel like. I'm better at um, satisfying myself than I would be satisfying clients. So I just like that um, that workflow of being able to take any risk you want, um, put anything you want in the design, and you reap the rewards, and you bite the bullet when it doesn't pay off. But So that's kind of my... Uh, trajectory into doing this Any time in like an architecture firm at all coming out of school or you just pretty much graduated and then kind of did your own thing from there i <laughs> was designing the dumbest stuff and had no soul and i remember one time like designing some cool detail for like a railing or something some stairs and my boss was like yeah it's cool but the developer is just going to get rid of that. And I was like, (laughs) 
and I swear to God, I like mentally checked out from that moment. On. <laughs> yeah, I think we have similar uh, similar trajectories there. Justin and I had talked about this in this kind of first podcast that we did with Janice talking about our background and we we felt the same way you go from architecture school where you know things are kind of limitless and you have full freedom of designing whatever you want <clears throat> within the bounds of the project and then you get to the real world where there's financial restrictions and it, most likely your first year out of college you're doing door schedules maybe if you're <laughs> lucky or red lines and it absolutely kills everything in you and <laughs> for the a-frame that uh we just finished up it was the same thing we just needed like a creative creative outlet mm -hmm. to in something that was kind of like on us that it it wasn't you know a hundred other people involved and and all of them making decisions it was if it gets done it's on us if it doesn't get yeah. done it's not on you know it's on us still and the agonizing boring stuff isn't as boring and agonizing when you like own it at the end of the day so yeah so you you end up putting up with it and for context i guess how long have you guys been out of school i, I guess i'm not sure how old you guys are oh uh, i think i graduated in 2015 15 oh, yeah we're both 29 yeah. So. it's so good to come to that realization so early i feel like i know so many people in their 30s who worked regular jobs and we're like okay this isn't doing it and trying to start a business and it's a whole lot harder when you're married with kids or whatever whether or not that's what you want but it just gets a whole lot harder than in your 20s to just start off that way and then it becomes normal like what working looks like for you that was some of our mindset too like we started this about six years ago now so we were you know 23 fresh out of college basically and it was kind of hard because we were doing it on the side at first. So it was like we were trying to pursue a career, but at the same time you had this like, you know, not always fun, but a fun project that we were working on. It was like hard to get committed to the career of like working yourself up within a company. I'm both like Danny just talked about for architecture. And then for me, just like business wise, like it just seemed way more fun and, you know, um, rewarding to be working on something that, you know, we're creating. So I think for us, there was always like this thing on the side where we, wanted to put in more time, but, you know, money-wise, we needed to keep working. But, you know, recently we, we both went full-time on this and we're, you know, kind of trying to take it to the next level. Oh, no Hell way. yeah. Okay. Question for you about entrepreneurship. What I love about entrepreneurs is that they like look at the world and see problems that can be solved. What was the problem that you all saw when you started this business? Like, what were you trying to do differently? I think there's like a few different aspects you can talk to, Dan, if you have... Let's say it was just we would we always tell the story, but we'd go on road trips and stuff, and we'd like I would say we got to see this building, it's by here, and we'd go, and everyone would be amazed by it and stuff, and then just the realization that there's not that many places like that, and there should be more, and I always felt like the most beautiful landscapes, the rural landscapes, don't always have the most thoughtful architecture and if they do it's usually private homes that you can't go to so we kind of thought we could make some cool stuff and like open it up to people and people would like it because that's what we loved 
And I feel like there's a lot less rules when yeah, you're that's, in the that's... woods too. It's like you have the freedom to kind of do anything. Right. If you're in the middle of a city, you get all these constraints yeah. and zoning and all these regulations and all this red tape. But if you're in the middle of the woods and you're in, uh, sitting on 10 acres, it's like you can do whatever you want pretty much. But yeah, we felt the same way. Yeah, like Danny said, it's like it makes it making architecture like accessible where people can actually extend it, not just like look at it from the street. Something that was really cool. And then just for us, it felt like really low risk at the time. Like we, we had a big driveway in our rental house in Minneapolis. So we just bought a trailer, um, started building it out there and then found some land to put it in. We, you know, we've always been kind of cost limited. So, you know, we try to keep it cheap and keep it where it was something that, you know, worst case we could just stay in ourselves. Yeah. But, the mentality of like, you know, Danny said it from the beginning, like the only way this fails is like if we let it fail. Mm. And it's kind of like a, a good mindset to have of like, you know, we have an idea that we know it's going to work. Like initially right when we started renting it, like it already started doing better and being booked more than we expected. So, you know, just trying to keep that going and, you know, building on our ideas, not like building the same thing over and over, which I think is like a common thing that people would do. Like once our first house started getting booked a lot, it's like someone's just going to build the same one again. But we wanted to like kind of, you know, switch it up a bit and build something nicer because, you know, we would want something nicer. So I think that's kind of like a mentality of just like keeping that going. And what drove the idea to, to build it? I think you said you built it on a trailer, right? And then you transported that to the site and then you kind of finished it off from there. Is that is that kind of what happened? Was it like a budget thing that made you do that? Or was it just the idea of like you could kind of just easily work on this in between doing other things and after work and on the weekends? And then bring it to the site. And then it's partially the zoning aspect oh. in terms of like being able to build something that was small enough where, you know, it was just basically like one room. Like we couldn't have built a house on a foundation that size, but it was also like we could just walk out a garage and start working. Well, we didn't own any land when we started it. That's kind of ah. reason yeah. for the first one. What Duff is saying is true for the second one. That's so we were like looking for land while that was sitting in our driveway and... I was getting, we were getting kind of nervous if we'd ever find something. So you started the parachute the, on the way down, nice. in the build before you had any sort of land, which I think is in uh, contrast to both our, our experiences where we found the piece of land first and then started designing from there. Mm -hmm. uh, was there any like, cause a lot of architecture and schooling is based around site did that have an effect on how you designed this place or were you really thinking this can fit anywhere and then we just have to find the right piece of land or how did that uh, go into the design? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is like why I wanted to find land. Like I'm, I'm trying to move away from that uh, as much as possible now. I find it way more fun to be inspired by the land and like take everything into context and design around it um the, the first time around was just kind of a means to an end but that's why i'm so excited to be i'm working on this california house and been going out to the land out there and like trying to gain inspiration so it's not ideal to to design before you have a site but it opens up um different avenues that you wouldn't ne necessarily have if you're if you're so confined by the site and what you have to build around you might end up making different decisions where if you can build something the way you want it beforehand and then sort of transport and fit it in 
within what you've bought for land, I think it, it changes the design for sure. And maybe makes it uh, a bit different than you would have if you, if you started with it. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I, sometimes architects are up their own ass about how the sunlight's hitting everything perfect. And it's like probably accident. So <laughs> yeah, I feel mostly how it goes. rationalization. So, and it seems like a common thread that I've heard is that, um, without any constraints, it's like a blank page, which can be really intimidating. So a lot of designers and architects I know have their constraint of preference, if that makes sense. Like there is a specific constraint that they like to almost impose on themselves in order to like get started and kind of push their creativity. Do you all have a constraint that you, for, I know your first one was very small. Your second one's a little bit larger is size a constraint you like is like when you think about designing, do you think about that at all? I would say what's a constraint. I like, I don't, I tell you what constraints I don't like. I don't like money. Money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> definitely not. It makes it way. Harder. I hate, um, I hate like government regulations and stuff. I hate, um, building codes how about those yeah i mean i i'm annoyed at them but i'm like trying to learn them all and i feel like i realize they're usually there for a reason something else that's really hard is like my desire to make everything custom like all the like the doors and the unit two are all like made by us and it's really easy to get like stuff out of the box from Home Depot for products, but like they never look right and it always annoys me. And so just having to like design every single part when you're not satisfied with what you can find or what you can find is like 10 grand. So yeah, like the Donald Judd chair in our, uh, in our unit two, I like made it for $15 instead of, it was thirty five hundred dollars on the Momo website. It's kind of it's kind of hell yeah for a few boards. I didn't really answer that question well. I don't like any constraints, so <laughs> I, okay. I do like it being small. I sometimes think about I'll look at like stadiums going up, and I'm like, I can't wrap my head around how I would do that. Like the so yeah. small scale helps me like lets me be able to focus on details where if it was huge, I would get overwhelmed by going through yeah. detail. That first one you did, did you have like the size of the trailer or wherever you were building it? Was that kind of constraining you to that dimension or yeah. were you guys thinking like, Oh, I'll get the, yeah. Yep. Um, and then from there you're like, Oh, we can get like a bed in here and you kind of just started shoving things in its plate. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, um, the second, second house, the window, like explain the curved wall, like that constraint is something like in hindsight. Uh, well. Um, like we, uh, I wanted a window that went wall to wall and glass has like this threshold of how large you can make it. So it just wasn't, we weren't going to be able to get it any bigger. And so I didn't want like a gap. And so <laughs> I like furred out the wall and curved it into the window. So it looks kind of seamless and has the, the wall to wall appearance. That's awesome. 
So that's an example. So this might be a good time for anyone. We obviously have spent a decent amount of time looking at your designs and your website and your Instagram. But for anyone listening who hasn't seen it yet, can you just describe the setup of what you've created, um, even visually, just for someone who has never seen it yet? I'm sure they will after this, but in the meantime, can you describe that for us? Uh, sick as hell, no. Just, no. <laughs> nice. Sometimes I I think uh, there's too much there's too much seriousness in architecture, and I I love all the serious stuff, but I'm not a very serious person, so I feel like we use a lot of we're trying to do things really crazy and unexpected and humorous, almost like postmodern shit. So. Like the the craziness of it, like someone might see the house and like think some aspects are crazy, but I think that idea of like trying to make crazier houses like will be more evident like our next house, and it's gonna something it's gonna keep building more and more as our houses go. But like the second house, like both our houses are cedar siding, and the second one has like a neon yellow railing um, with like a curved staircase. So it's like some things that you know people might see like in our feature and dwell. Um, you'd see comments like half of the people are hating it, half the people are loving it. And I think, you know, that idea of like people hating an idea is something that, you know, you might be scared of, but it's something that, you know, we laugh about a lot or, you know, we're confident in terms of like what we're making. So it's something that, you know, it's kind of funny to us in that sense. How did you land that feature in Dwell, by the way? That's, that's pretty sweet. Did you reach out to them or they just stumble upon you guys and heard about you and just decided to write up an article? I think they might've found us when like, TikTok went viral. I th I remember them DMing, DMing us soon after that. So I'm guessing. And that was that video you did, right? The the walkthrough tour that kind of went viral on TikTok. Yep. Is yeah. that what yeah. happened? Hello. Tell Just us like about first that. Take, for those of yeah. us who are too old to be on TikTok. Um, tell us about the viral TikTok. If, uh, if someone wants a tour of the house, basically, I'm filming Danny give a tour of our house and you're just kind of like hating on everything <laughs> like saying like you know this sucks like the window's not big like like oh we're close to nature like that's cool like you know kind of just like having a vibe of like you know someone who might not like the house like how they would describe it and it was you know for most people giving a tour they're just gonna like you know gas it up and just talk about how great everything is so it's kind of like funny to most people to to see it Kind of yeah. a refreshing take amidst everyone just marketing themselves and telling you what's great about it. Oh, we're still marketing ourselves. We're still we're still paying. <laughs> but yeah. Just who's behind all that? Is that mostly is that mostly you, Danny, behind all the the marketing and the social media, or are you guys both kind of trade it off and uh, I mean we both we both do it. Uh, yeah. I feel like we yeah, both it's most of like the, the comments and you know, captions or, or Danny working on it, but it's, you know, we've always been on the same wavelength, I guess, in terms of like what we want our Instagram to be and not be too serious, not like posting the same picture over and over. Um, we've had discussions about, you know, what's right, like how we should do it. And, you know, there's obviously benefits for, you know, doing it a different way, but, you know, this is who we are and like definitely who Danny is just joking a lot. So I feel like it makes sense. 
Hey guys, this is Justin from The Chalet. If you're not already listening to this podcast in a cabin or on your way to one, I'd just like to take a second to let you know that our spring calendar is open along with a few winter nights to get that last minute ski trip in before the season ends. I'd also like to remind you that our A-frame comfortably sleeps up to six guests. We're located just 10 minutes to Mount Snow, 15 minutes to Stratton Mountain, and we're surrounded by tons of trailhead access, including the famous Long Trail. Oh, and the food and drink scene here in Vermont is incredible, since most of it's either raised, crafted, caught, or brewed locally, so you definitely don't want to miss out on this. But to learn more, you can find a link to our page in the show notes below. We hope to see you soon, and enjoy the rest of the show. So I know you guys are called off-grid, and I mean, so being off-grid, is that like a focus for you? Like, you are you like, is that something you want to carry through on all your projects, is to be off-grid? Or did it just kind of start with that first one and the second one? And are, I guess, are you actually completely off grid with these cabins and what's that like um first one is we have a well but we do have an electrical hookup um so we're not technically off grid and but the the land in california is going to be off grid so we're learning all about solar power and propane generators and everything so it's not necessarily it's more of a off-grid vibe we're trying to have but if we are off grid or we, we might be off grid and we might not be, but it's just, it's mostly based on finding a cool location and they just happen to be off grid most of the time. Can you tell me about that vibe? Like if the commonality between all of them is the vibe that you want to create for people of being off grid, um, where does that come from for you all? Your desire to create that, um, did you travel a lot to the woods cabins when you were young? Where did that start? Yeah, I'd say from a very early age, I was obsessed with like the hard to describe feeling of like when you enter like a national park, like you, all of a sudden you notice there's no telephone poles or in like the shoulders on the side of the road go away. And like, it feels like you enter kind of a different world and, that was something I was always really obsessed with. Um, I also loved Disney World as a child. And I remember thinking, like, this is, I want to get into the business of, like, atmosphere designing. Like, how do you make something feel like this? Because it's, it's hard to describe. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. But just feeling like oh, I get it. the real world and entered something different. And then do you struggle with like, so I'm, I'm assuming you guys are, are you guys actually um, hosting these cabins yourself or do you have like a a management or property manager or anyone doing it? And like kind of what do you struggle with anything, you know, with having these sort of off the grid cabins and then people kind of with their expectations when they come into like an Airbnb, like things that they might expect to have and you might not have, but it's all part of your experience. You're trying to like, have you struggled with that at all or it's it's definitely hard in some sense, especially because like our second house is at a little higher price point than people might expect for like an off-grid type property. So the price point aspect of it, you know, even if we try to describe like what some of the limitations are, like we are still trying to provide like, you know, similar to like a home experience in the woods as possible. But it's like, it's hard sometimes, especially when it gets like negative 20 out there, like the house is still on a trailer. So how do we properly describe, you know, the type of experience that's out there? Because it's, you know, we have mini splits for AC and heat and those have limitations and there's just some natural limitations that come with it. But, you know, I think if someone's going somewhere to stay and they're paying money for it, they expect something out of it as well. So just trying to find like the right middle ground in terms of 
you know, being able to accurately describe what we're offering. Cause we're not trying to like swindle anyone. Like we're, we're trying to create the best thing possible, but at the same time, you know, how do we describe it in a way that's accurate for what their experience is going to be, I guess. Had either of you hosted on Airbnb before building these? Was that like a second component of this? Like first one was like, I want to design and build these and, and Airbnb is a way to make that financially sustainable or was hosting kind of an end goal. What, in what order was that? Did that come about for you all? It was kind of natural. Like we were building it as something that we could maybe use worst case if it didn't work out, but we knew that we, you know, would want to try to rent it. Um, but it was our first time hosting and, um, the first houses we built. So we were just new to everything. So it was kind of a, you know, our first house is kind of like a testing ground for us to see what worked, what didn't work. And then with our second house, you can see like, we kind of built on a lot of the things that did work and, you know, learn from, you know, a lot of the struggles that we had with the first house. Is Airbnb the sole source of revenue for your business or are you also designing for people? Are you like kind of an architecture firm who, if someone listening needed someone to design a small cabin for them that you all could and would do that? Are you selling plans for the ones that you've already built? What does that like overall business model look like for what you're creating? Kind of like, um, we take it as we go. Um, like some cool people that we really loved, like, uh, these fashion people like asked us to do stuff for them. And we were like, absolutely. And we made designs for them and stuff. Um, as for just anyone who comes in our DMS and asks, like, can you design something for me? A lot of times I'm very wary about it. And, I'm like exhausting myself on my own designs. Um, so I feel like I don't have the capacity sometimes to do more, but I'll never, I'll never say that's completely off the table, but we just haven't really done it. And, and also, uh, for more revenue, we, we made over like $120 selling t-shirts. Once. <laughs> but they're cool. But they're cool. We were, we normally save that bit for, for the end where we talk cabin fashion and obviously couldn't help but notice some of the clothes you guys are wearing in your videos and on your page. Um, I mean, who's behind that? Is that also a team effort? Mostly Danny with the designs. Yeah. We had a screen printing shop in our basement and, uh, you know, tried to do everything ourselves. Like we had a full back print that was like the full back of the shirt and reached out to people and they wouldn't be able to do it for like a, costs that would like make sense like where we could actually sell them. So, you know, bought some equipment in our basement and tried to do it. And it was just taking a lot to, to keep it going, I guess. Sure. If anybody in Minneapolis is looking for screen printing equipment or ink, we got <laughs> some we're trying to get rid of. So, yeah. Can you give us a, a little bit of a timeline on how see, uh, Duff, you talked about, um, right after during college you were you guys were talking about something entrepreneurial uh and then how long after did you start to kind of have this idea that you would start building something and then when did the construction start when when did you find land when did you open i think i saw like november novemberish maybe you guys opened one of the the larger one so for our first house, um, I think I graduated in like December, 2015. So I remember I started working like February the next year. And then like we bought our trailer, which like 
good story in itself. We bought a trailer from some guy who used to be on WWE. That oh was a uh, good experience buying it for him. Nails. Shut up, Nails. <laughs> Shut up, um, And uh, we got the trailer in August and, you know, started building it. I think we had, like, the rainiest August ever. It was, like, just a pain to be building. Um, so we didn't finish before the winter. And we probably finished, like, mid-early next year and then found some land. There was delays with all of that. And it was just – I'm – I forget the exact timeline, but it was like, I remember we closed on our land at one point, and then there's like a three to four month period of like waiting, or we didn't close, we, we got our offer accepted. And then it was like, they had to switch over stuff in the title and all this stuff. So it took like four months to actually close. Jeez. And we did all the landscaping ourselves, which is like the majority of our delays have been from doing everything ourselves, which is like good. We learned how to do everything. But like we did, we built the driveway ourselves. We were doing everything ourselves and we're two hours away from our land. So it was driving out there a lot and, you know, putting in a lot of work that, you know, we could have been open and renting it out for. But uh, I know we opened our first house in like, I want to say October, 2018. Um, and started going well. We started building our second house in February, 2019. And then by like, I think 2021, we were ranked like the number one most wishlisted Airbnb in Wisconsin for our first house. So that was, oh, that's awesome. you know, kind of a good feeling for us of like, you know, we did everything ourselves. We built it in our driveway. Like we didn't really have any extra help outside of, you know, the people that we were working with. So there's a lot of motivation to keep it going and like seeing what, what else we could make, I guess. Justin and I had a similar experience but, there with uh, Justin and his brother, Ryan, knowing how to do some of the construction stuff. So when, uh, our builder kind of fell through at some points, they would go up and take care of certain aspects that needed to happen before we, we had another trade come in. And Justin had said in the, the first podcast we did that it's a tough balance of like, you know, running yourself into the ground, trying to do those things. Cause you know how to do them or, you know, putting in a different type of work to find out who can do it for you. So with this new, um, this new piece of land in California, right? Yep. Um, what have you learned from the first two that you're going to take into this one, um, to kind of e either ease the process or do it a little bit differently? Um, well, I would say I'm focusing on designing it in Revit and I'm going like insane trying to like, I'm trying to like actually construct it in the program so that like I can be totally prepared for anything. Um, Cause sometimes like we'll leave things vague in designs and like someone will, you'll hand it off to someone and they'll be like, they'll figure out how to build it. But for this, I'm really trying to make sure it's constructability is thought out. Um, I would also say it seems like every time I learn something, I feel like, oh, I've mastered it. I don't need to do that again. So, like, I should be doing, like, a wood structure, but now I want to do cast-in-place concrete. So that'll be its own mess to deal with. I have no idea how that's going to go. But I'm excited. So, yeah, I'd say I, like, as much as I learn, I feel like I want to keep pushing it um just to keep experimenting with these things yeah. these techniques that's that's pretty awesome 
What advice would you have for others who are in the process of maybe not even designing? I think the majority of people are probably not designing their own. They're probably looking for designs, but they're also looking for land. They're also looking for builders or deciding whether to build it themselves. Since you've done pretty much all of these, what what advice would you offer to them? I myself find extreme pain, but also extreme value in like being very stubborn to your original idea. So like, if you have an idea, you can, you can think through almost anything if you really try. And it's, I feel like a lot of, when I see mediocrity in in buildings and stuff, it's always like, okay, they gave up on something. They, they said, let's just get the, the normal door. Let's just get the normal window. Let's have like the, let's, we don't need to make that detail. The contractor will figure it out. So I would just say being stubborn to your original design, if you really believe in it has been valuable and it's been like, um, like the things that have set us apart, I would say. If you know this, but one of the main state mottos is the way life should be. I personally think this is the perfect description of Maine, and I am probably guilty of overusing this phrase. Whenever I visit the cabin, the very first thing I do is head straight for the guest book because there's nothing I love more than hearing what our recent guests have been up to, where they ate, shopped, hiked, and what they enjoyed most about their stay in Freeport. This is one of my favorite recent entries. After two years of not being able to find time to get away since our engagement, walking into this inviting and carefully thought out cabin allowed us to finally take a deep breath. Having no cares in the world except keeping the wood stove going and our pup happy is our new definition of relaxed. If this doesn't describe the way life should be, I don't know what does. So if you're looking to get a taste of this, head to our Airbnb calendar and book your stay. And if you can't find any that work, don't forget to sign up for our email list. This is where we send any last minute cancellations and where we open each seasonal calendar first. We can't wait to host you. It's like, make sure you really want to do it. Like if you're building a house or, you know, buying a house, like, Make sure like you have the time, make sure you have the desire to like keep going. Like for us, there was like so many points that we could have given up or like stopped working if we didn't like truly want this for us and like want to have a future of doing this. Um, so I think just like assessing your life, where you're at, you know, for us now, like we're getting, we're 29, we're getting to the point where, you know, families or kids are, start to be more in the mix and just like understanding of you know, where you are at in life. And like, if you have the time and resources to like make it work is, it's pretty big. And I'd actually, I'd actually sort of, I agree with Duff, but I'd also d disagree with him because I feel like that, like believing the lie that it's going to be easy, like actually do yeah. it sometimes. Like, I feel like it'd be a lot more daunting to realize how hard it is at the beginning, you almost have to go into it like with a positive attitude. Um, you got to make sure you want it. Like we feel like it's kind of corny. It's like this manifesting type of thing, but it's like, you know, it's like we want it. Like we knew in the back of our mind, like the whole time, like, like unit two was going to work. Like, and I don't know. I feel like it's a, like you have to like be unrelenting, I guess, in terms of 
what you want out of it, I guess. You gotta be a little bit crazy, I guess. And I mean, so yeah. together, I mean, you guys like for the most part, and I know you said you had another partner, maybe one or two more for the most part, are you guys normally on the same page when it comes to these things? Like this relentless, like attention to detail and like, let's push through and let's, let's not settle for mediocrity. Or is it just like, Jesus Christ, come on, Danny, we just got to get this thing done. Or are you guys all pretty much on the same page and, and kind of just pushing forward? I mean, I, I think that's huge. I mean, it was me, Sean and my brother and I think for the most part we agreed on things, but if we didn't, I could see how bad that could easily go. So I think being on the same page is definitely big. There's definitely some things that we, you know, disagreed on or, but I think, you know, we started with more people that we work with and, you know, some of the things that, you know, kept me and Danny going and like, we're still the ones here working on it are, you know, being on the same page and seeing everything the same way. Um, I guess, I don't know what your thoughts are, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I honestly get frustrated with myself as well when I feel I feel like I look at this and I'm like, I should really be further along. I I should really have more done, but I've been like focusing on too many details. But um, no, I'd say me and Duff have always been very on the same page. He definitely trusts the process. What's the biggest fight that you've had? <laughs> get to the good stuff guys uh, no, no comment, no comment. <laughs> i don't even know like I, for a long time we never thought about anything i don't remember what uh it was specifically about but uh it was actually at our other partner eric johnson he got was getting married and me and duff were really <sighs> and like we were it was like the most frustrating part of our build it was like we were both burnt out yeah we and as he said something to me, I said something back. I like stood up and pushed but, you and almost punched you, I think. And then you started like, you were like really pissed at me. And then we were like chasing each other through like. Yeah. There might have been some alcohol involved. Yeah. Well, uh, no, no comment on that. This is such a yeah, it's, it's something that, yeah. We've known each other for a long time now. So it's like. You know, if he has a problem with something I'm doing, like, I feel like he can tell me. And I think that's a big aspect in terms of, like, what keeps us going and, like, able to work together is, like, I know he doesn't mean anything if he's saying something. It's, uh, we all have the best intentions, so. I think that's really valuable, though, because my husband and I fight more than anyone I've ever been in a relationship with. And it's actually the healthiest relationship I've ever been in, because I feel like get it, being able to get it out and be honest with someone in the moment when it's happening versus... You know, I also now co-own a rental property with my twin sister, and that's a bit harder um, because we don't always fight quite as aggressively. And I do think there's something to be said for just that honesty and being able to have a good all-out fight every once in a while. Yeah, my girlfriend's on my ass, too. Our girlfriends <laughs> all the time. They're like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, like with our second house, like it was every... Like it was a daunting experience of working full time and then going out on the weekends. I mean, going on the weekends and coming home and just like ever feeling like we had days off. Yeah, I know it took a lot out of both of us. So like tempers were definitely, or uh, our stress levels are definitely on max levels. We find time. romance and and being in the trenches and our girlfriends hate it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, something like this, ten tensions definitely run high. And I think, yeah, I think it definitely helps. And like Janice had said, she hadn't met 
too many people like even me and Sean, where it was just like, you know, a few friends building something like most people, it's like a couple or, you know, a married couple or something like that. So I think it definitely helped to just be friends. Cause like, you know, we, I've obviously my brother known him my whole life and Sean, I went to college with him. We were roommates in Boston. So I think, yeah, you can kind of work through some of these hard times when, uh, when everything's kind of going crazy for sure. Dump, did you see this comment on the recent, uh, dwell Instagram post of us in the that's something about roommates yep. and some guy was like roommate I was yeah. like, what do you mean by that <laughs> yeah because like we were living together for a long time and like now we were not but it was like funny it was like two guys taking a picture of the house together and people were like questioning us but it was uh and if we were probably... yeah, that's funny. come on that's exactly right, how exactly. I felt when I met Justin and Sean. It was via Instagram. And we talked for a while on Instagram before I ever knew them. And I wasn't going to be like, excuse me, are you all married? Are you like, what is the situation? So I'm just putting <laughs> together in my head. And I thought it was an interesting threesome situation, possibly. I didn't, I didn't know what the right. dynamic It's good. Was. It gets the people going. Just like yeah. you said uh, before, some people right. hate, some people love, people want to talk. It just all gets the buzz going. And hopefully that gets uh, some eyes on it and people book it's niching down one of the one of the funniest days i remember from the company is like once we posted our tiktok that went viral <clears throat> we were driving back together from wisconsin to minneapolis and like the views and the comments were just like rolling in and they were just like roasting danny and it was like <laughs> some of the funniest things like it was like because like, he's wearing kind of like a crazy outfit even it's just like oh could we read a couple you got him. Uh, Danny is one that he always loves where someone is like talking about like beating the Fall Creek, which is where we're at, like the Fall Creek football team. Like we killed you guys in football. <laughs> like, that one wasn't about Danny, but it was just like so funny. Like they act like we care. But Danny, you have any we, good ones? It's like this kid's giving a school presentation. He looks like he hates or something like that. <laughs> I forget how, like the wording of that was just so funny. That's what happens when you blow up, like, man. This kid's a little slow. A lot of, that a lot is of horny mom. Though. It looks like he's giving a school project that he hates, but that's what made it so endearing. I thought when I watched it, it was just like, this right. is unlike any other <clears throat> tour video I've ever seen. Yeah, like, wow, this kid actually hates the house. Like, cheer up. <laughs> yeah, I like the, the, there would be very um, sincere, wholesome people being like, no, it's great. And I always thought that was funny. And I was like, oh, I should <laughs> sarcastic. Oh, like they were trying to make you feel better about it. Like, no, we love it. It's great. <laughs> That's sweet. Okay. We are so grateful you joined us. We want to be respectful of your time, but I really want to know about what's next for you all. Can you tell us about the new build in California and then what you think, uh, what your plans are for the future of off-grid? Yeah, I'll show you the model. That's right. Head to YouTube and find it on the, so the doorway is going to be the Wiley Coyote. So... Is that real? Is that actually going to be the door? Yeah. Stop. That's sick. That's awesome. Yeah, we can see it. Oh, this is perfect. It's like we're there. Yeah. Did you build this by hand? Yeah. That door is amazing. I've seen a, oh, a, a few of your renders there uh, with the jack-o'-lantern. I think I saw a Tasmanian Devil as well and wiley is that kind of part of that whole disney slash cartoon childhood that kind of gets wrapped into these designs now yeah probably probably is um i i, I just Def 
I feel like I've just never seen it. And like, I thought of it and it seemed like a really great metaphor for like, <laughs> like I often feel like the coyote chasing, like the roadrunner of success, if you will. Hmm. That's, corny, that. but That's good. It's really yeah. deep. Yeah. Why don't you end by telling us just in terms of like big picture, what is your vision? So the next house is in California called the coyote. Um, any other details about that and anything that's coming after that, that people can keep an eye out for? Um, yeah, it's going to, we're just trying to be crazy. continue building Even bigger yeah, windows. Um, it's going to have yep. a really crazy, uh, bathroom. I'm, I'm loading up a picture of the bathroom. And then future goals, I think just like continue to improve, uh, build crazier and crazier houses. And, you know, our goal is to keep, you know, just, uh, learning and, you know, creating a better experience for our guests, but also, you know, trying to make, you know, even better houses that are still accessible to people. So doing it cheap, as cheap as we can for, for the experience. And then, um, just trying to target like areas that are, you know, beautiful in the landscapes and maybe near national parks and just trying to keep it close to cities where it's like a, an easy escape for people for either just a night or a weekend or, um, whatever they want, I guess. I love that. So, so Minnesota slash California are not your only locations in mind anywhere as a possibility. Yeah. Anywhere is a possibility. If, if anybody has land they want to reach out with that, you know, we could maybe build on, we're always looking, um, you know, we've been pretty limited with money in terms of like our ability to, to put it into the houses where we're sinking everything we have into it. So, mm -hmm. um, is trying to build more and more properties where we can start, you know, bankrolling some more cash and building more houses. That's our really our only goal. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super grateful. Thanks for sharing. Can you tell folks where they can find you, the different places that they can get more information? Instagram's the best spot. It's kind of our main hub at off grid in. Uh, you can go to www.offgrid.place our website where you can find our Airbnb links. Uh, that link is also on Instagram. Um, might have a YouTube channel coming soon with some building tutorials. That's up in there, but oh, TikTok. well, uh, TikTok, same TikTok at off grid in also yeah. on Google plus. Mm -hmm. Google. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Shout out Google plus. <laughs> well, this has been a treat. Thank you for joining Thank us. You. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Hey guys, Sean here. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cabin Culture. If you've got an extra second, leaving us a rating review on whichever platform you're listening on helps other people find and connect with our cabin community. Thanks so much and can't wait to share more with you.